Lord, we thank you for the writers of the Gospels and for John in particular this morning. Help us to go deeply into these words, to listen for what your Spirit is saying to us, that we might respond to your grace. In your precious name, Amen. John's Gospel is one of those Gospels, or it is the one Gospel I think, that is perhaps the simplest and the most profound at the same time. A a theologian once said, it's like a puddle that a toddler can safely play in and a pond that an elephant can take a bath in at the same time. Uh, It's carefully selected words that convey profound meaning and they're accessible at multiple levels. And this prologue to John's Gospel lays a real foundation about who this Jesus person is. And perhaps the most uh, stunning thing that comes out here is John says that he was in the world and the world was made through him. There's this sense of uh, profound connection with Christ in all of creation, the deepest of all connections really, deeper even than a blood relative. Um, Joe's mum has been staying with us for the last couple of days and she told me a story the other night that a couple of years ago she went to a big family reunion. There was 60 or so people there, many of whom she hadn't ever met before. But the surprise was she met one woman who she'd gone through school with and then teachers college with and they never knew that they were related. They were actually cousins and they'd they'd known each other quite well but hadn't twigged to the fact that they were cousins. And sometimes there is a connection going on that's deeper than we know. And the connection that we're talking about here is deeper even than that because it's a connection of our shared humanity, something we are all made through him. Everything was made through him. In fact, it's even deeper than just our shared humanity. Juliet and I were having a conversation before church and she has this profound connection with the animal kingdom. She cares about them. And it's not just an interest, it's a deep connection. It's a profound connection. Uh, Some of our indigenous people could teach us something about the connection with the ground on which we walk. This sense of it's not just a thing that we use, we have some kind of connection with it. Put that to one side for a moment. Sometimes when we're connected to something we don't want to be connected to it. That can happen, hey. Uh, Joe and I joke, I can say this this morning, my girls aren't here. Our girls are adopted, you might not have noticed, but they actually look quite Asian, and we don't. (laughs) Just don't want to confuse anybody. But sometimes when they act up, Joe and I have a joke that we could just walk away and go, whose kids are those, you know? (laughs) Because sometimes you have a connection, but you don't want the connection at that particular time. And so we disconnect, and we do. Um, Many of the people at the time when Jesus walked on earth didn't want to be connected to him. Even though he was so close, even though the words he spoke indicated he knew them, in a sense he exposed them to themselves, and they didn't like it. And so that vulnerability that happens there, many of us are pretty uncomfortable with that vulnerability of 
some of those things being made known and so we reject it, we disconnect from someone who might do that. Many people prefer to expel somebody who's connected to us that threatens our sense of safety rather than embrace the risk of the excitement of that. Certainly that's what happened to Jesus when he was walking around Palestine and certainly that's what happens today for many people, even though they don't necessarily know that. Because we do it in a almost a pre-conscious way, a self-survival um, strategy. But for those who don't expel this one through whom everything was made, for those who decide to get past the fear and the, the threat that seems to be inherently there, Jesus offers an entirely other way of doing life, a way that isn't apparent from observing most other people around. Jesus provides us with an accessible model for the richest possible life. It's not a plan for share dealing in the stock market. It's not a plan for investing in Sydney property. It's not a plan for your career. And it's not even a model for how to play happy families. Jesus models the values and desires that offer the richest engagement with life, the deepest engagement with life. And this is primarily in the way he regards people. That's primarily in the way that he sees people and responds to them. And, second to that, the way he holds everything else as second to that. He has his priorities right. If we follow his example, we will have no regrets. Simple as that. If we follow his example, we will have no regrets. We would always be rich in the things that actually matter the most, and that is our relationships. You know, we, we get fooled because the world around us tells us, no, invest here and have plenty of resources there. But if those things actually get in the way of our relationships, we are fools. We're making a foolish choice. And Jesus models for us what the right kind of example is. Most of us know this. I mean, most of us experience it a lot of the time, perhaps, or from time to time. But the world is always there. And by the world, I mean, you know, the culture around us, the, the set of expectations, the unquestioned assumptions that don't have to be spoken about because we all know them. Always quietly whispering the alternative, which is about look after yourself first. No one else is going to do it. And so we opt for survival rather than life. So the world was made through him. There's a profound connection. We're connected to each other. We're connected to the animals. We're connected with the ground. It's all there. Don't reject that connection. Feel it and see it as you walk around, as you speak with people. Now, the word became enfleshed. Now, interesting, the word. When you hear the, the phrase in church, the word, the word of God, what do you think of? 
Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Ian was not a stooge. He volunteered that answer. <laughs> Many of us think the Word of God is the Bible. And we've hear it, heard it said, you know, people, preachers stand up, the Word of God. There is one Word of God, and it's Jesus. There's the scriptures that testify to the word of God and this is quite a critical matter because a text is inanimate. It's non-responsive. I mean, it responds to what we read into it. But a person is responsive and can respond to all the particularities of our individuality and our context and our community and all those sorts of things that are so important. And Jesus has this place in all eternity. A place of um, authority to respond to us in a way that a text can only reflect back to us in some respects what we read into it. Jesus, by his spirit, calls out new things. And we have received the fullness of Jesus' humanity It is his aliveness of which we each receive. We come alive even as Jesus is alive and we share in the eternity that Jesus brings us. Now, what I mean here is we're drawn to other people often because of the life that they have. If you go to see a live performance, so say Dick's performing and he's a good performer, isn't he? Very good. And part of the Uh, attraction is the music but part of the attraction is also the life because when Dick plays his music he's really alive like there's something glorious about it It, he lives through that music and it's bigger than just him and that's very very attractive and you'll see that in any live performance when somebody's doing the thing that they love to do it's more than just the person delivering some tunes they come alive in it And when we go to see them, we're not just going along to listen to some tunes. We can do that in better quality with a DVD or a CD. No, we're going to share in the life of that. Jen, you like going to live performances, don't you? It's the life there, isn't it? And it's almost a communal shared life for that moment as the audience comes alive in that as well. If you hear a good presentation, it's not just the information. It's the conviction with which the person who's saying it says it. Their life. And you come into that life. A good relationship with somebody. It's not just that they look nice sitting next to you or there's an interesting conversation going on. There's something about the life that's bigger than just them and we enter into it. I think there's something similar here with Jesus. When we relate to Jesus and the life that he has and the way he engaged with people and the priorities and values and desires that we see in him, we're drawn to that. We come alive in it. It takes us to new places. And in this way, Jesus exegetes God or explains. That's what the word exegesis is about. Explains, reads out of, tells us what God is really like. See, the law, law was also full of grace and truth, you know. It's interesting. John contrasts, you know, the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. But the law was full of grace and truth as well. But it was different 
because the function of the law, in a sense, is to restrict evil. That's the grace and the truth of the law. It stops evil from multiplying. It says, if someone whacks you on the cheek, you can whack them on the cheek, but only once. If someone knocks out your, your eye, you can take out their eye, but only one. It's restricting evil. Because in the old days, if you didn't have that law, someone knocked out your eye, you took out their family. And then they took out yours, and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. So the law was pulling back and saying, let's just keep evil in check. And so it, um, it does that by telling us when our behaviours are evil and to not do it. So that's good, isn't it? It's useful. We'd be pretty buggered without it in many respects. <laughs> but the law does not offer the key to what holds us in that cycle of violence and repetition and what holds us there. How do we break free of that hole? Well, Jesus does reveal that, I believe. Jesus shows us a way through that cycle. He exposes a tendency in us that... um, and then models a way out of that um, destructive cycle because he allows himself to love to the point of death. And this is the way through. Love even through death. Jesus does not escalate violence. When they whipped him, he didn't seek a whip to whip them back. Of course he wasn't in the position to do that but there was no sense that that's what he wanted to do. He doesn't do the tit for tat. He doesn't run or hide from that evil that comes to him either. He does the bravest thing of all. He faces it gently, not retaliating, not running, not hiding. He does so in such a way that there can be no confusion regarding who is innocent and who is doing the violence. No one really can accuse Jesus of initiating that interaction that happened to him. It was clear because of his gentleness, because of his willingness to front up and gently engage that process. And nothing has been the same since. It changes the way we understand what's important in life. Now, if I'm being too vague there, see if I can clarify. Up until the time when Jesus died on the cross, if you were considered guilty of something by the authorities, you were guilty. It was your fault. In Rome, if you said, I don't like the oppression that your government is Uh, putting on me, the centurion would fix that very quickly with the sword and go, there you go, sorted. Since the time that Jesus died on the cross, this leaven has come into the world culture that says not everybody who's considered to be guilty is necessarily guilty. There's a a trial which has already happened, I think, in Saudi Arabia. I was listening to it on the news this morning. I might have some of my details wrong, and I apologise. But there's a Muslim cleric there. uh, There's the Sunnis and the Shiites. I think he might be a a Shiite. Okay, so you've heard it. Good. 
Um, and the Saudi government have accused him of being an insurrectionist, basically a, a terrorist, because he was complaining about how his minority group are being treated by the government. So the government had their trial and found him guilty and he's going to be put to death. Now once upon a time that would be the government's right and we go, oh, well he's guilty, he can go to put to death. But we don't think like that now, do we? We think, well hang on, was there a just process here? What actually happened? There might be something odd going on here. Now we're so steeped in that reality that we don't know that that's a very novel thing. Last 2,000 years or so, but in world culture that's novel. Jesus has changed everything because often the innocent are accused of being guilty and they're innocent and Jesus shows us that among many other things. Let's move on from there. Many years ago I went to an animated feature called Waking Life. Did anyone ever see Waking Life? It was the most bizarre film I've ever seen. Somebody had videoed uh, the scenes of the film and then illustrated over them so that there was almost a, a picture of reality but you couldn't quite see it because these illustrations were moving and it, and it moved in very interesting ways. And I heard an interview with the uh, director of the film and he explained what it was about. And it was about you know, that, that process between when you are asleep and when you wake up and the way reality mixes with fantasy or dream world and all this kind of stuff. And actually the film illustrated it really brilliantly. I'm so glad I read the interview first because if I'd gone to see the film without it, I would have gone, what is this about? What's going on here? And I don't think I could have made sense of it on my own because I'm just not that clever. And the whole thing would have been wasted on me. But having the explanation enabled me to engage in that movie. Jesus does the same thing for us in relation to God. In many ways, God is a nebulous, disconnected concept. When we say God, each of you will have a different set of ideas around what God would be like. And if you go outside and ask further people, the, the ideas will get more and more diverse. Jesus makes that really, really concrete. Just as we are made in the image of God, Jesus illustrates what that image really looks like when it's not contorted by our mimicking and rivalry and jealousy of each other. So if I look at you to see what God is like, you represent God, but there's all sorts of compromise that's going on there. When I look at Jesus, that compromise isn't going on. The way that he treats people, the way he does life, his incredible trust and confidence in God, even to the point of death and beyond, those are the things that make God most clear to us in the most meaningful ways. He exegetes God for us. As we gather around this table in a moment, the bread which I made in my bread maker, just... We're going to do a test, work out whether it's worthy. We come together around Christ. We acknowledge that we are connected through him. We are all made through him. We are connected to God. We are connected to each other. We are connected to this world. And 
we looked to Christ to see what all that means for us. We look through Christ, in a sense, too, to see each other so that we don't judge, but we see that you are made in the image of God and I am made in the image of God. And and we gather around Christ at this table, we break the bread and we share together and we see God in each other through Christ. Lord Jesus, we know that we are connected to you through our humanity, through the fact that we are created. We acknowledge that sometimes we don't want that connection to be so close because you lead us into dangerous places, places that sometimes make us scared. You lead us on the path of love, which is always vulnerable. You lead us into death and through it. And we don't know what that means. But we do acknowledge that it is the richest, fullest, most eternal way to engage life. And so as we gather now around this table, we look to you and we see each other in you and we see ourselves in you and we see this whole created world in you and we respond to you. Thank you that you've made that possible in your precious name. Amen.